Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Microfamous podcast. I love the conversation that I'm about to share with you because I think it's going to be motivational and inspirational in a couple of different ways. And we'll get to that in a second. But uh, I think it's going to equip you with some really good thought-provoking and, and clarity-inducing, I guess would be the best way to put it, clarity-inducing questions. If you are in the situation where you find yourself operating in a niche or a space and that space is shifting or you're outgrowing that space and you're deciding what is the next space that I want to go into, all right? So before you think about like what you want to be known for and all that stuff and who your ideal clients are, I know there's a lot of people in the audience that are thinking really deeply about even just what space, what is the niche that they're going to operate in? And that's what Belinda is going to share with us today because she is, has an incredible background. Over 40 years in the direct sales industry, 25 of that as a speaker, trainer, consultant. Uh, she literally wrote the book on direct selling. She's the international best-selling author of Direct Selling for Dummies. Uh, she's the host of the new podcast, um, which has been around. It's, it's new for her because it, it's her transition into another space. So the, the podcast is called Work From Your Happy Place, which I was fortunate to be a guest on. And so she's worked with over 200 direct sales companies as a consultant and a conference speaker. And she has all the numbers to, to back it up that when she speaks and trains, uh, companies see actual real growth and real ROI on her presentations and on her work. So she has an incredible power base. She, she's a dominant force in the niche where she is at. The problem is the niche itself is shifting and we'll talk about the reasons why, which is unique to her niche. And you might see some commonalities in yours. But the real point of this is that I want to break down uh, in two parts. Kind of the first section of the conversation is where we break down how she broke into the industry initially. And there's a lot of lessons there that, that are still replicatable. But then in the second part of the conversation, I go deep with her into the decision making behind how she's identified the next space that she wants to go into. And what's interesting about it is she's using podcasting to break in. It's working really well. And so we talk about a little bit of the strategy behind that, who the podcast is for, what, what the, what's the word that she wants to be known for, things like that. So I'm really excited to share the conversation. Uh, I think you're going to take a lot of value out of it, and it's going to give you a lot of things and, and equip you with things to think about. Because if you're in that same decision, whether you're deciding on the very first space you're going to go into, or if you're already dominant in one, and now you have to look at the next space to go into, this really is a perfect episode for you. And then we also talk toward the end about how going into that next space often triggers a whole new round of imposter syndrome. And how do you deal with that? So, so many, 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 many things to unpack in this episode. I'm super excited for you to hear it. So without further ado, let's jump on with Belinda Ellsworth. Belinda, officially, welcome to the show. 
Hi, thanks so much for having me. I am super excited to have you because I was a guest on your podcast and we had such a fun, free-flowing conversation. Uh, and that actually, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later because there's a strategy behind why you started that new podcast, which is kind of, uh, it's, a, it's a change and shift for you. And we'll get, that, get into that in kind of the second part of the conversation of why you're shifting. Okay. But first, I want to start with, um, what do you tell people that you do? Well, the quick answer, like your 30-second commercial or your elevator speech is, um, I inspire, I motivate and inspire people to be the best version of themselves. Okay. Now, that is, I think that's part of the shift. Because for, ma for many years, like you literally wrote the book on direct sales, direct selling for dummies. Yep. Uh, so you've been in that space for a long time. So I want to dive in a little bit to how you came to really be a dominant force in that space. Uh, when, when you were really focusing on, on speaking and training and selling products and programs in that space, what, what was your elevator pitch at that point? Um, I can inspire and motivate your sales force um, to give them the strategies and tips that they need to be successful and increase your bottom line from 35 to 150%. Nice. <laughs> and those are, those are backed up by real numbers from follow-ups from programs and speaking events you've done. Yeah. Yeah. The lowest, I mean, even last year I spoke for a company and they had been flatlined for almost five years. And um, this is why I know that everything that we do is still relevant, mm -hmm. but I went in and spoke and they sent me a note that said, that their sales were up by 36% and their recruiting was up 44%, which is unheard of Holy in a company cow. that's been flatlined for five years. Yeah, no kidding. Those are insane numbers. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. Yeah, so which I, I, I love the fact that you're able to put it in numbers and I love the fact that that's, that was in your elevator speech. That, that makes sense to me. And if you're in direct sales, that's exactly what they want to know. Uh, so take me back. You've been in that space, I think, for, for 25 years, you said? I'm celebrating my 25th anniversary this year. <laughs> when, when did the book, when did the direct for selling come out or direct uh, sales for 2015? 15. Okay. So, so towards the tail end of really being, being in that space. Um, mm -hmm. So, so what was it that you felt like broke you in initially? Well, I, so I've been a professional speaker and trainer in that space for 25 years. But prior to that, I spent 16 years in that field as a sales rep myself. Well, that helps. <laughs> okay. It does. So um, I started out at 18. I hit the ground running. I just found that I really, um, I've, I've got a very strong work ethic, but I also learned like from, I was always trying to learn more from my own mistakes. So like, there's got to be a better way to sell this. Or I would, I would try to find people that were much older than me that were being very successful and saying, can I shadow you? I really do believe that people should spend more time um, shadowing very successful people, whether that's physically or online, watching them or listening to sales conversations that you're having. I used to have my team back in the days before there was three-way calling and things of that nature. They would come and sit in my house and I would make sales calls and they would observe those sales calls. Yeah. Uh, and then they would be like, okay, I've got it. And then we created scripts for that because really at the end of the day, people just want to know what to say. Exactly. So I became very, very successful. I rose to the top of two different companies. Um, mm -hmm. And then the second company I was with said, oh my gosh, our, like our whole entire company needs to hear what you're saying, not just your yeah. own group. And so I kind of started training for them. I became a professional trainer for them in my last year. I helped them open up Canada. 
and we like blew it out of the water. We were like in a year and a half, we were like $13 million in sales in Canada. It was exciting. It was a jewelry company. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, at the end of that time, I had a couple of motivational speakers that I admired at that time. Patricia Fripp was one of them. Um, and Pam Lantos was another one who used to work for the Disney Corporation. They were both pretty big names back in um, the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And both of them over a six month window of time heard me train in that venue and said, you're a wasted talent. You need to be on your own. You should have your own company. <laughs> and I just was like, okay. And uh, I just kind of thought about it. And I one day said, I've been, so then for the next six months when I would train, I would train more specifically using generic phrases instead of very specific just to get sort of a practice okay. and uh and then I just one day decided okay this is it it was in September I had some obligations for the national conference that where I was speaking a lot training a lot doing a lot and that was in August and I I felt that I that was an obligation that I had made for that year and I needed to do it and then after that I just said I'm leaving. I'm going off on my own. Um, and it was scary because I was making a really good income with really I'll good bet. bonuses. And but it was just um, a really I don't know, having somebody else believe in me. And I always say that, you know, if you're the leader, you need to show people that you believe in them. And if you're the person, find someone who believes in you, like mm -hmm. find that um, mentor, friend, someone, because it really is you grow the belief in yourself when you truly know someone else believes in you and mm -hmm. people don't really take that to heart enough. Um, but it is so, so true. And I just, um, took what those two motivational speakers who were at the top of their game at the time, you know, and mm -hmm. said, okay, if they see this in me, then somebody else is going to see this in me. Like, mm -hmm. and I just created my program and went out and I, I was very fortunate I think that 16 years of experience and being always being a presenter, I was always a presenter at my own company's events mm -hmm. because I had a knack for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so we're like presenter I, in the sense of like hosting breakout sessions or presenter in the sense of like emceeing events and things like that, like being on stage, introducing other I people. I only emceed in that last year, but like all those years prior to that, those 15 years where I was just, you know, a, a sales rep, they would be like, you're killing everybody, you know, like you're, mm -hmm. you're outselling everybody. You're outbuilding everybody. You're, you're leading this team that's bigger than anybody's. I, um, I became a sales vice president, which is the highest ranking, uh, rank in the company at 29 years old. And that's back in 91 and mm -hmm. making a six figure income back then. Like, you know what I mean? It's Goodness. crazy town, right? Yeah. So I, um, I had that success and that ability to to communicate with people, here's how to do this. And in, in, a, in a funny way that makes people kind of look at their own self and go, oh my God, that is me. I do that. And, yeah. um, and so I just made my, I created my program. I took it on the road and I really, by April, so I did my first speaking gig in October and November. And then I started to fill my calendar up and word of mouth got around. And by April, we were 100% making money. 
Um, I had wow. sold out of my whole first run of cassette tapes. <laughs> and, so, um, <laughs> and that was like, oh, I'm going to charge this on my credit card. And then I was like, I, if I could just make enough to pay off the, the bill by the end mm -hmm. of the month. But not only did we make enough to pay off the bill, we sold out of everything that we had put on that credit card. That's awesome. And it was, and that was April and there was no looking back. It was just like, mm. um, you know, I was speaking six times a month, eight times a month, nine times a month. And then I didn't want to do any more than 10 speaking gigs a month. So I was like, okay, I'm full. And, um, and then our prices became when you, when you get to as full as you want to work. And yeah. then I scaled that back to eight times a month. Um, I was like, okay, now we start charging more. Mm. And, um, and so we did, and then our fees went up. And every time that we were so full that we were having to turn people away, we said, okay, it's time to raise the price again. Yep. And, um, and it was just a, it was super successful. Well, and there's a couple of things I wanted to point out that, that people in the audience, and, and I, I notice uh, this when I talk to coaches and consultants that are looking at other people that are successful and don't know their background. They just, they just see them where they are now. There's a lot of those people that, that started from a platform uh, of a company where they're able to get on stage even before they felt that they were ready. Mm -hmm. And they started to get that experience and they started to get the exposure and the, and the company was able to put them in front of people because the company had a captive audience. I see this in real estate all the time. A lot of the big real estate coaches got big because they started from a platform and then they went off on their own successfully, just like you did. Uh, and then you have other people that don't realize that they're out kind of off on their own. They don't have any company platform to launch from. They go, I'm going to, I'm going to take over the industry but you have no power base, right? So I think that's one, I, 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 it doesn't sound like it was intentionally on your part, but if you can find a power base of some other company that you can join or partner with or whatever, where they have, they're getting people to show up at events already, like that's a very smart way to break into an industry. You know, and, and, and you proved it. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, what, what was your experience when you first started selling cold, like outside of that space? So you, so you were in a space where you were very well known. You started to, to develop that reputation. When you started to like, like start to speak outside of that, did the, did the experience change? Like what, what was the experience like when you first started to break out of that initial space where you were well known? Well, interesting enough, um, the only time that we've broken out of that space like we've not ever gone after it like in the in just these last three years we've just started to be very intentional about that but mm -hmm. what would happen is so a lot of people do direct sales as a fun hobby or side hustle you know what i mean like mm -hmm. they, they've got a real job if that's what they call it but they, yeah. they got their day job let's put it that way um and especially in the skincare space there's some pretty awesome women that have like executive jobs somewhere else. Like for example, I spoke at the skincare company and knocked it out of the park for them. But this one lady who's just very part-time at the skincare company was a top level executive at Ford Motor Company. Oh. And so she sees me on this stage and then goes back to Ford Motor Company and says, this lady is flipping amazing and we need her to and I did, I, I traveled all over with them prior to the auto show and taught them how to engage with the client, follow up with the client, do their quick 30 second speech on how you're gonna sell that car, like teach benefits versus um, descriptive features. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and we just, and they were blown away by it. So then they might refer you to somebody else. I've really built my business a lot on referrals and learning to ask for the referral, mm -hmm. um, you know, and we've given, 
either discounts on speeches for referrals. We have yeah. given product for referrals. Um, and people just love that. Like, you know, mm -hmm. hey, you give us a referral for another big company, we'll give you X amount of books that you can distribute right. throughout your organization. And um, and I've taught other companies like how to do referral programs because it's amazing to me is it is so key and people don't do referral programs. Nope. <laughs> and I'm blown away by it. I, I'll give you a really good example. This is going back years ago, but I had this gentleman, this is back when I was just selling and he said, you know, could you just come in and observe my company? He sold computers. And back then, this is when, before Dell and anybody, he just made the computers and then he sold them. And I, I knew nothing about computers. And he said, could you come in here and check out what we're doing? And the guy was a genius as far as that, but his sales skills were awful. Yeah. And, um, and they were a bunch of nerds, you know, like in there trying to be personable. And so I said, okay, look it, you need a referral program. And mm -hmm. I said, and let's just do a dinner certificate to anybody that refers you to another client. Let's just go out. What, what's a really nice restaurant here? And at that time, there was a chain called Mountain Jack's, and they were just really kind of nice restaurants. So I said, let's just, well, I'll walk over to Mountain Jack's right now and buy you several, couple thousand dollars worth of, get, of dinner certificates. And he's all like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. And I said, okay, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go back. We're going to go back to anybody who has bought from you a couple different times, a good customer. We're going to identify your good customer and we're going to just send them one. And he's like, send them one for nothing. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to send them one for nothing. So we sent this guy a um, hundred dollar gift certificate to this restaurant and said, thank you so much for being a loyal customer. If there's anything we can do for you, but please enjoy dinner on us. Like that's all we did. Okay. Three days later calls me. And says, oh, that was so nice, man. Thanks so much. You know what? I'm working with General Motors and they need 30 new computers. And can we get those ordered? I'm not <laughs> joking you. <laughs> Three days later. Goodness. Holy cow. I know. I go, was that was that $100 uh, ticket worth it for you, buddy? <laughs> It's not. It's nice when when you're right in such a visceral, immediate way. I love that. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice when it turns out like that. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I could say the same thing for my business. Podcasting has made it easier for referrals to happen naturally because it gives it gives uh, entrepreneurs and business owners and coaches and consultants like an easy excuse to introduce us to each other, which I love. That's part of why podcasting is so amazing is, is I know many, many people in my network that I've introduced to each other that if they didn't have a podcast and I had to sell them on the idea of stopping in the middle of their day and calling some random person up that I recommend and spend 30 minutes on the phone with them, they won't do it. But if I tell them, hey, I'm going to introduce you to a guy who has a podcast, unquestionable yes. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's so weird. But it, that's basically what it is. is it's, it's just made, it's made it easy to have, for like for us, I would call it an informal but strategic referral system. Good. Yeah. So that's part of why I like about podcasting because that, that stuff works. So, so going back to the direct sales industry. So you break in, you hit the ground running. Um, you've got, you've got the name and the credibility to, you know, from the experience with the company. So you've got all the background, you've got the credentials that the direct sales industry wanted to see. You already had that. And then you start to get referrals into other spaces. 
And then you start to notice some changes in the space around you. And that's what I want to kind of move into the next phase of this conversation, because you're in a really interesting spot that I think a lot of people in the audience are. A lot of people in the audience are either listening to this going, look, I have a successful business and now I want to coach on top of it, or I'm already coaching, consulting, training, speaking, writing books. But the niche that I'm in is either not big enough or it's shifting. And that's exactly what you're, what you're going through, which is why you started the podcast that, that I was a guest on. So let's, let's back up a few years. When did you start noticing the things that made you take a second look at the, at the space that you were in and think, okay, this, it might be time for me to start shifting? I would say, um, you know, how long has Facebook been around now? Has it been 11 years or how long is, is it? I think they started, was it 08? I should okay. know, but yeah, I think, yeah, YouTube was 06. I feel like Facebook was 08 or 09, something okay. like that. So when Facebook first came out of the scene, I thought, okay, it's another, it's like MySpace. It's like, whatever. Yeah. I really did. And I did not give it much credibility at all. Mm -hmm. So, um, but then within a year I saw like, no, this is, this is sticking and this is kind of growing. And then, but it still didn't seem to be any, any real big shift. So then I would put it, I'd probably say about eight years ago is when, people started using Facebook more as a strategic platform to um, grow their business. You know, whether that was just the reach was broader, companies were growing quicker than ever. Um, and people were also able to run advertisements. Like I just started to see that space. And so the, the companies really shifted to, we just need training on social media. We're, we're behind the eight ball. We need mm -hmm. training on social media. Um, and I didn't feel like I could get up to speed quick enough. So I was smart enough to hire a very young um, uh, gal that was amazing at social media um, mm -hmm. training and then really taught her presentation skills. So right. I really spent time saying, okay, here's this. And she was a great, she shadowed me on so many of my speeches that it was amazing to watch her from one presentation to the next, to the next. Um, she literally had had taken some of those, when to plant a story, when to, you know, hit home uh, a fact or teach the why and then teach the how. Like she really, she really learned that. And so that was one way that I shifted. I do want to say to, so I have shifted and we can talk about that, but I want to say this to everyone out there of why I still have stayed relevant or current. And this is a mistake that people make is they don't stay current in their space that's one of the reasons you kind of like i don't know age out of it if you will yeah. is because you're still teaching what was applicable 20 years ago mm -hmm. and i'm smart enough not to do that and i do that still today by constantly um talking to other people interviewing them like mm -hmm. you know we've got a membership base i call and talk to the top people in that space tell me what your challenges are right now tell me what you're going through right now like i spend time doing I guess what you would call really good customer care and really good focus groups on what are the changes in the industry? What, right. um, what are your challenges? Because then if I can meet the challenge, if I can get ahead of the challenge, I'm always still relevant. Right. So I still have done done that so yeah um, yeah which i agree because you've easily because we're, we're talking about that before we, we hit record you've easily doubled what most people would tell you is the is the shelf life of a speaker which yeah. i think somebody told you was what seven or eight years yes back in the yeah. day when i first started they said you'll have to make a plan because like you know most speakers had kind of a good run of seven eight years yeah uh, and i said okay <laughs> <laughs> and he went on to proceed to double that and more okay 
So you're looking around, they're starting to shift. Now, now direct sales, I think they took a while to come around to the idea of social media, but maybe the pendulum has swung too far to the other direction. They spent, they spent a few years with their head in the sand, yes. ignoring it. And then yes. they pull their head out of the sand and it feels like they all decided as a crowd to run off in the direction of social media and ignore maybe some of the fundamentals, the stuff that still works. It's, the like interpersonal stuff. it's like a fire water hose. It's like, now that's all they want. And they're drowning all their fields with it. Um, and in doing so, they're making some mistakes and some are giving images out, like creating an image bank, but not, but just giving one image. Like they get a, a flash sale and they go, here's this image. And then right. there are 40,000 consultants all post the same image. And then mm -hmm. they all end up in Facebook jail. <laughs> so <laughs> this, is, this is a challenge that uh, yeah. we're having. But what's really interesting is now, I just have even heard this in the most recent of days, is like, because we can't, we, as much as we'd like to say social media is here and it's going to be here forever, whatever, we can't control the changes. We can't control right. the algorithm. We can't control what is, what are they going to, you know, are they going to prefer groups over your business page? Is your business page going to be seen or it's not going to be seen? And now they're saying you got to advertise in groups if you really want to be seen or, you know, like it's constantly, it's almost like they're moving the cheese. It's like everybody are little mice running around and then Facebook moves the cheese. <laughs> and then, then everybody runs around like little mice going, okay, let's, how can we circumvent that, that yep. blockage? And then once Facebook realizes they've all, all the mice have gone in a new direction, it's like, okay, it's time to move the cheese again. So yep. now companies are going, hmm, maybe we ought to teach our people basic sales strategies. <laughs> and and we, what I still teach to this day, and I believe this of any business today really is doing your business in multiple ways. And we, we teach five in the direct sales space. Um, mm -hmm. But really you could take those same five and put them, you know, live and in person, like mm -hmm. presentations with small gatherings of people. Um, then, you know, one-to-one, -one, like working one-to-one -one with people, um, mm -hmm. trade shows and events to get exposure. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, follow up with the current customer base that you have, which is a big piece that almost everybody, everybody in every industry like drops the ball on. Yeah. Um, so, and then social media. So like, these are your five real, you know, targets or strategies. And we've been teaching that, that you should at least know all of those things and be working your business in those different, because they, they also create different um, funnels of income. Mm -hmm. And so if one is dries up or one that you're struggling with, or if you do, you know, if your Facebook um, ad campaign gets shut down for 10 days, you're not 10 days without an income. You're yeah. like, okay, we're, we're over here working with these live events that we're doing and we're generating income out of that. Or and a live event even could be a mastermind group for your people mm -hmm. that have coaches, you know, they yeah. might have a membership, they might have a mastermind group, they might do one-on-one -on -one coaching, like all those same things that I said are applicable, like really mm -hmm. in, in any industry, but the people that are missing the boat are the ones that are so micro-focused on one of those buckets. Yeah, um, and I would agree, 100%. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the interesting challenges when, when we're in a world where the, ta like the tactics, the, t the changes to the tactics are not going to slow down. The, the time between the next rollout of the algorithm or the next new tactic that comes up just keeps getting shorter. So like for a while, like, like for example, so Perry Marshall writes the book on Google AdWords. 
he's had an amazing run of something like 15 years where he became the the king of Google AdWords and then was able to parlay that into something else. But Google AdWords is still a relevant space that people care deeply about. Then you have Facebook. Facebook comes out with Facebook ads, right? And then Facebook ads are now shifting to Instagram ads, LinkedIn ads, like the, like the whole industry fragments into a bunch of different pieces to now where like you have to, the shelf life of being a Facebook ads expert, those guys are realizing, well, now it was, we had a good five-year run. Now Instagram ads might be a good three-year run. And if you're a Snapchat expert, like Gary Vee tried to be for a while, that, that shelf life was all of about a year. <laughs> and then Instagram came out with stories and wiped Snapchat practically off the board. And it's just it like that, like that pace is not slowing down. So if you try to make a name for yourself as being the, the person that always keeps track of the tactics, you're going to have to be Gary Vee. You're going to have to be the 45, 50, 55-year-old on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And that is not what I want to be. No. I want to be the Seth Godin. I want to be the Simon Sinek who is talking about, I would say, like universal principles. Yes. What is the stuff that will still apply 10, 20 years from now? Now, the question is then, how do you make that sexy? Yes. To me, that's the biggest challenge. Like if you're someone that wants to be in this industry 20, 30 years from now, like that, like you have to find the universal things to talk about, the principles that everything boils down to so that the tactics can change and you can focus on the universal stuff. The question is just how do you make the universal stuff more appealing? Exactly. Yeah. So, so walk me through a little bit on just what your thinking process is looking at the space, looking at the options that you have. Um, Mm -hmm. You're, you're obviously still continuing to do all the things in the direct sales space that you've, that you've done, right? So you're not, you're not jumping out of one into the next. You're basically putting one foot into the next. Correct. Okay. So what's, what's the next and what was the, what was the decision making like to kind of pick out what the next niche was? So I decided um, that I was going to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Actually, my husband decided for me that oh, I was did, did he really? <laughs> yes. So, you know, he is, um, he's a sound engineer and he also does lots of other things. And he had really got into podcasting. And, and as interesting as that is, it's starting to change. It's starting to shift. But in the early days of podcasting, it was like 80% men focused. I mean, like men were the listeners and then that has changed, but if there's still a strong amount of listeners, like if you poll women, do you listen to podcasts? Um, it's only been in the last year where I've seen that number start to jump up. Mm. Like they do other things, but Mm. men are listening to podcasts on the way to work while they're shaving, while they're doing whatever, like, you know, working out like this is, that was just their, um, I don't know. I think because men were like talk radio and NPR and it's like clicked to them, you know? Yeah, I think like, it's very, yeah, very much like the demographic for talk radio is absolutely mostly guys. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was the, that uh, early. Now we're seeing a shift in that, which is, mm-hmm. is awesome. But uh, he's like, you've got to do a podcast. You've got to do a podcast. And I didn't want to do a podcast on direct selling because mm-hmm. I've done everything else. Like I've already got, it's like trying to create a new multiple stream of income and you're, um, and you're doing the same old, same old. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I already do this here and I do that there. And like, that's silly. So I said, okay, I'm not agreeing to this until I figure it out on what I think could serve both of my audiences and transition me into a new audience. So I really was very, um, mindful about that. And I went on long walks and I, 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 flushed it out with myself. And so at the end of the day, and there was also at the time and still is a huge movement on happiness, right? Mm -hmm. Like what is it to mean to be happy? 
Yeah. And I was invited to a women's symposium. It was actually held at one of the colleges here, universities here, and it was for women in business. And it, and it was all, and so it had nothing to do with direct sales and it was all on happiness. Like mm-hmm. what does make people happy? And then they gave lots of statistics on um, how the percentage of people that are unhappy with their job, yeah. like go to work every day and just really hate what they do. Mm-hmm. And um, and so then what five things contribute to overall happiness? So I really dug in to reading every book on happiness, like <laughs> that I could find. And then I, I knew that a lot of the reason that people do direct sales, and even as a side hustle is they might not like their day job and it's a yeah. fun diversion and a way to make some extra income and do something totally different out of their wheelhouse that they mm-hmm. do love, that they do enjoy. And and then other people do it because they love it. And then at the same time, why is everybody becoming, why is entrepreneur so big? You know, like yeah. people want to have their own space. And so I was like, okay, um, we're going to call it work from your happy place so that mm-hmm. it really includes everyone. And what's been interesting about that is we've even had some really great CEOs of some fairly big companies that have created a happy workspace, a completely right. different workspace for their employees. So it just it doesn't have to be just entrepreneurs. So we really are trying to serve a pretty big audience at the same time that I'm trying to discover, you know, what is that exact um, niche that I want to move into. But the mm-hmm. podcast has definitely introduced me to a whole new uh, group of people, even like yourself. Um, and allowed me to be on shows like this in showcase, yeah. which then leads you to possibly speaking at other venues. Yeah. Um, I will need to write a book in this space outside of a direct yeah. selling book. Our book was a key, was a number one seller in four countries in, mm-hmm. um, in all categories, even in the business category. Yeah. <laughs> you, you weren't in the category of like high dive, like quilting or something like that. Like the, right. one of the super sub niche categories that you can dominate. No. Yeah, this is a real category. It was a real category. <laughs> and um, and so I'm like, okay, we need to do that. And I'm, I've got that on the docket for this year, just to sort of, you know, build a name. I remember yeah. that I sat and had um, it was just really impromptu. All of a sudden, there I am with somebody else, and there we are sitting down having lunch with um, John Maxwell, which was exciting. <laughs> and, and he's like, So tell me. And, um, you know, he's talking to me about being such a huge, at that time, I didn't even have a book. And mm. he's like, How in the world have you done that? I've just been such a well known speaker and have no book. Like everybody normally has a book, and then they yeah. get asked to speak. And he said, you need to write a book because I can't even begin to tell you what will happen for you after that. And I just didn't until Wiley Publishing called me and said, we want you to write this book. And then I was like, okay, so now I just need to get it done in a different category, like on a different subject. And I've got so many, um, and we already have one book about 75% written. So that will happen this year. And I think I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to go, I'm going to take his advice and and sort of go that route. And go, go book first and then speaking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is awesome. And I know we have to wind down the conversation because there's, there's so much more that we could dig into on the decision-making process of figuring out what the next niche is. But yeah, it's, uh, I think there's a lot there for people to, to be inspired by and motivated by, uh, because there's so many people that have that same decision either now or, or they feel it coming. 
and and it can be a scary place, but I think it's also exciting. You know, like I've I've spent a lot of time myself thinking about it because I come out of the real estate space, but I knew I didn't want that space to be the rest of my life, and I didn't want it to define me. And mm-hmm. like we, we were talking a little bit before we hit record that you know, like we're different from companies. We're not just a company, you know, that we can just pass on down to the next CEO and things just keep right on trucking. Like we're people, we have creative interests, we have pursuits, and most importantly, we have identity issues, right? Like who who wants, it's like you get known for something and then immediately you like recoil, like, oh, I don't want to be known for that. You know, see, like you're constantly dealing with stuff like that. It's it's an interesting thing dealing with, with coaches, consultants, speakers, because we're all, we're just humans. Well, we all go through self-doubt. So I'll say for myself, it isn't like that I'm saying, I don't want to be this person anymore. It's for years for me, it has been, do I have anything valuable to say to anyone else? Because I'm so valuable over here. I'm so relevant over here. People have really respected me over here. And do and, and how do I translate some of those same messages to a general audience? And I didn't have the confidence that I, that I had anything valuable to say, which was just so crazy. And then when I started the podcast and started talking with other people, and then I found that, you know, some interviews are fantastic and some interviews are very um, short, like, (laughs) like, like, so what do you think about this? Yes. I think it's this. And you're like, so what I think you're trying to say, Matt, is <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I would just elaborate their answer for them a little bit. And in that people were like, you're amazing. Like, yeah. and so then I started realizing, wow, I do have something relevant to say. And so I do yeah. think it is putting your toe in the water and then jumping in the water. You know what I mean? It's just like you really, I don't know, you need to become an expert at something or you need to just go out and do it and try your hand at something and then and discover a group of people that want to follow. And then that group of people tells another group of people. And yeah. the podcast certainly has been good, but the podcast isn't for faint of heart either. Like people think I'm just going to go start a podcast and there's a lot of things behind the scenes mm-hmm. um, that happened with that. And, you know, I'm very I'm mindful of trying to find guests that I think all don't all sound the same. Mm-hmm. and I had come from different backgrounds. I want different stories and that have a good following. I mean, that is something that we do look at as well. And then, um, I don't know. I, I just, I don't look at it like you asked me earlier. Do you look at it as this could be a potential client? I have never picked a guest on that premise ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it never even really occurred to me to do that. I, I want, because I always come from a place and I think that this is really important is like, what value do I bring? And if you are always bringing the value, if you're always trying to solve the solution, you know, be the solution for somebody's challenge, what challenge is this group going through? How could I be the solution for them? That's what I did in direct selling. And then now I realize, wow, these are the same challenges that other people that Mm -hmm. face the exact same ones. And I have the exact same answers. It's just a little bit different language. Um, And this three years of doing the podcast has definitely built my confidence. It's allowed me to realize I am relevant. I do have something important to say. And now it's just a matter of, uh, this is the thing that everybody struggles with, I think, like that is trying their hand at something. And people ask me this all the time. It's like, you don't want to just jump in 
you still have this income. I've got this, I've got six employees, you know, like we have, <laughs> right. and so I can't just go, Hey everybody, I've decided to jump off the diving board over here. And yeah. like, if I got to quit paying all of you and close everything down, you got to keep this, this engine running over here. Right. Yeah. And so that's like how people are with their day jobs, right? Yep. You know, they might have an executive job and they're they paid a six figure income there. And they're like, but I'm not happy. And I'd really like to be doing this. Well, just don't just jump off. It's like, <laughs> let me try to find my audience. Let me try to find my voice. Yeah. Who is a group of people that I know that I have answers to help them so solve their challenges and then start working with that group. And then as it grows, you know, you can maybe go part-time over there or maybe mm -hmm. then eventually you say, it's time to pull a plug and I'm jumping off the diving board. Yeah, which I think is the, the, the right way to look at it, not just economically, but personally too. And it, I was just thinking about this the other day and then we'll wrap up. Um, it's interesting that you can go through rounds of imposter syndrome multiple times through your life. You can be super, so like you can be the world's most accomplished person in one area. And then you jump into another and people start asking you to speak on something that's relatively new to you. And you go through a whole other round of imposter syndrome. Isn't that crazy? No. So it just tells you it's not, it's not, there's a, there's a certain segment of the population that has an irrational level of self-confidence. Good for them. Go, go with God, my child. I, I'm not one of them. You're not either. Uh, I, our confidence has to rest in competence and getting people results and knowing our stuff and just that internal sense that we know what we're talking about. And that only comes with time. So it's, to me, it's encouraging. Absolutely. And you know what? I say this over and over and over. And if you want to boost your confidence, confidence comes from practice. Mm -hmm. And it really does with anything. Like you think, I, I used to not even want to go. I remember, I, it's not, I hardly ever get invited to do this now, but back in the day, people would like, oh, we're going to go bowling. You want to go bowling? And I'd always say, no, I'm not going bowling. <laughs> because I was just an awful person at bowling. But after I went a few, I thought, I'm going to go on and practice a few times. And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm not a great bowler, but I can like at least go bowling with a group of people and not feel like the complete and total loser. And, um, <laughs> Um, but anything you practice that oh, you man. will get better mm. so if it's practicing talking if it is practicing like the more podcasts you can get on and be a guest you will practice and you will get better and as you get better your confidence grows yeah. and then your self-esteem which is also sort of connected to this imposter syndrome that is com so confidence is directly correlated to experience and practice mm. right the more experience and practice you get the more your confidence is going to grow yeah self-esteem is completely related to the relationships you have around you mm. and so the more people positive people that you surround yourself with the more that you shadow people of the space that you want to be the more encouragement you get and belief from people that you know like hey i, I want you to be my person you know i always mm -hmm. tell people go find three people one that's your hugger one that will kick your butt and one that will give you solutions and if you have those three people in your camp and if they believe in you then then you will start to get rid of that imposter syndrome and so yeah. That's my advice on, on that because I, I know that to be true. doesn't mean that we're, I'm perfect at it because I still fall in the same trap, but at least I know how to get out of the trap. Right, like, exactly. I know how to get myself out. Yeah, I love it. Well, in, in wrapping up, how do people connect? How do they learn more? How do they listen to the podcast? All that fun stuff. Great. Well, thanks so much for asking. So our podcast is Work From Your Happy Place. 
and you can go to iTunes or anywhere else and search for it and you'll find it. And um, it's a great podcast. You'll like it. So <laughs> it's fun. We have a variety of guests on there. Um, my website is stepintosuccess.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Step Into Success. Uh, direct selling expert Belinda Ellsworth. Um, so that's how you can find that. Um, we are getting ready to start a new group because groups are key, um, and that's going to be really for for kind of all salespeople. So that's mm-hmm. going to be a new group that we're going to start that will sort of start to combine the the two, and that's really what our planner has done for us this year. So we have an awesome planner. If anybody's looking for a great sales strategy planner. We have that, and you can find that on our website as well. That's awesome. I know, and we were talking about that before we hit record. That podcast is doing er, the the planner, I should say, is doing extraordinary, like better than you could have expected. It's taken off, and it's generating speaking engagements and all kinds of fun stuff. So it is. So it's Crazy. really great, and it's yeah. a great planner. Very, very cool. And let me say a quick word of encouragement for the audience. Uh, so if you are looking, you know, we talked about referrals, right? So everyone in this in the audience, you are a referral source for Belinda. So keep her in mind. Uh, like you're, Belinda, you're starting to speak outside of the direct sales industry. You're starting to speak on happiness. You're starting to speak on direct sales to non-direct selling traditionally companies. So either of those spaces, if people have a referral to a speaking engagement, uh, make sure to keep Belinda in mind and, and reach out to you. Yeah, we do sales strategies. If your presentation skills, goal setting, time management, those are all uh, some big topics that I train that could yeah. be a fit for any organization. Very cool. Well, Belinda, it's been such a, such a pleasure and I've had an amazing conversation. I really appreciate your time. I know the audience got a ton of value and uh, yeah, I just, I just really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was, it was a wonderful conversation. You made the interview very, very easy. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.